Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. I live in Southern California, Los Angeles. This is Baja Norte. If you do not speak Spanish in Los Angeles, you're missing out on a whole lot. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. And for a very limited time, LeVar Burton Reed's listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash LeVar. That's rosettastone.com slash L-E-V-A-R. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction and read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, and I hope you will too. Y'all, if you're a speculative fiction fan, then you have likely encountered the writing the world's, the humor of the late Terry Pratchett. Sir Terry Pratchett sold his first story when he was 13, which earned him the cash to buy a second-hand typewriter with which to write more stories. His first novel, The Carpet People, was published in 1971. For over a decade, he wrote in his spare time, after he was done with his work as a journalist and press officer. That's when he published many of his novels, including the work that began his Discworld series. Discworld is a fantasy series set on a slightly convex disc planet, which rests on the backs of four huge elephants, which are in turn standing on the back of an enormous turtle. Since it's flat, the citizens don't navigate by our compass. When you travel there, you go rimwards, towards the rim, or hubwards, turnwise, or my favorite, Wittershins. Now, Discworld has all of the characters you would expect from a fantasy world, like one created by Tolkien or the like. It's got wizards and trolls, dwarfs, dragons, witches. There are over 40 books in the Discworld series, four of which are written for children. Sir Terry also wrote a non-Discworld book, Good Omens, with the inimitable Neil Gaiman that is a longtime bestseller. The story that I'm going to read to you today is set on Discworld. Trollbridge appears in Terry's collection, A Blink of the Screen. It follows the ancient warrior, Cohen the Barbarian. I do mean ancient in the sense of very old. He's sort of an old, rangy, sinewy guy who's still out there fighting through the indignities of rheumatism and the complications of many years of smoking cigarettes. And he lives by the old code, which sets up our story today. He's setting off on a genuine quest through a land that is increasingly becoming more developed, 
more technologically advanced, more societally aware, and looking less and less like the world of the old days. And now, if you're ready, let's take a deep breath. And begin. Troll Bridge by Terry Pratchett. Air blew off the mountains, filling the air with fine ice crystals. It was too cold to snow. In weather like this, wolves came down into the villages. Trees in the heart of the forest exploded when they froze. In weather like this, right-thinking people were indoors in front of the fire, telling stories about heroes. It was an old horse. It was an old rider. The horse looked like a shrink-wrapped toast rack. The man looked as though the only reason he wasn't falling off was because he couldn't muster the energy. Despite the bitterly cold wind, he was wearing nothing but a tiny leather kilt and a dirty bandage on one knee. He took the soggy remnant of a cigarette out of his mouth and stubbed it out on his hand. Right, he said. Let's do it. That's all very well for you to say, said the horse. But what if you have one of your dizzy spells and your back is playing up? How shall I feel being eaten because your back's played you up at the wrong moment? It'll never happen, said the man. He lowered himself onto the chilly stones and blew on his fingers. Then, from the horse's pack, he took a sword with an edge like a badly maintained saw, and gave a few half-hearted thrusts at the air. Still got the old knackeroony, he said. He winced and leaned against a tree. I'll swear this bloody sword gets heavier every day. You ought to pack it in, you know, said the horse. Call it a day. This sort of thing at your time of life, it's not right. The man rolled his eyes. Blast that damn distress auction. This is what comes of buying something that belonged to a wizard, he said to the cold world in general. I looked at your teeth, looked at your hooves. It never occurred to me to listen. Who did you think was bidding against you? said the horse. 
Cohen the Barbarian stayed leaning against the tree. He was not sure that he could pull himself upright again. You must have plenty of treasure stashed away, said the horse. We could go rimwards. How about it? Nice and warm. Get a nice warm place by a beach somewhere. What do you say? No treasure, said Cohen. Spent it all. Drank it all. Gave it all away. Lost it. You should have saved some for your old age. Never thought I'd have an old age. One day, you're going to die, said the horse. It might be today. I know. Why do you think I've come here? The horse turned and looked down towards the gorge. The road here was pitted and cracked. Young trees were pushing up between the stones. The forest crowded in on either side. In a few years, no one would know there'd even been a road here. By the look of it, no one knew now. You've come here to die? No, but there's something I've always been meaning to do, ever since I was a lad. Yeah? Cohen tried easing himself upright again. Tendons twanged their red-hot messages down his legs. My dad, he squeaked. He got control again. My dad, he said, said to me. Son, said the horse helpfully. What? Son, said the horse. No father ever calls his boy son unless he's about to impart wisdom. Well-known fact. It's my reminiscence. Sorry. He said... Son, yes, okay, son. When you can face down a troll in single combat, then you can do anything. The horse blinked at him. Then it turned and looked down again through the tree-jostled road to the gloom of the gorge. There was a stone bridge down there. horrible feeling stole over it. Its hooves jiggled nervously on the ruined road. Rimwards, it said. Nice and warm. No! What's the good of killing a troll? What have you got when you've killed a troll? A dead troll. That's the point. Anyway, I don't have to kill it, just defeat it. One on one, mono, uh, troll. And if I didn't try, my father would turn in his mound. You told me he drove you out of the tribe when you were 11. Best day's work he ever did. Taught me to stand on other people's feet. Come over here, will you? The horse sidled over. Cohen got a grip on the saddle and heaved himself fully upright. And you're going to fight a troll today? said the horse. Cohen fumbled in the saddlebag and pulled out his tobacco pouch. The wind whipped at the shreds as he rolled another skinny cigarette in the cup of his hands. 
Yeah, he said. And you've come all the way out here to do it. Got to, said Cohen. When did you last see a bridge with a troll under it? There were hundreds of them when I was a lad. Now there's more trolls in the cities than there are on the mountains. Fat as butter, most of them. What did we fight all those wars for? Now, cross that bridge. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Save big money on your next project with help from Menards. Move water where you need it quickly with a Barracuda sump pump. Some pumps keep your basement dry when big storms hit unexpectedly. Get a half-horsepower cast-iron Barracuda sump pump on sale now through May 5th. Hurry into Menards and don't forget to check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Now, let's get back to our story. It was a lonely bridge across a shallow, white, and treacherous river in a deep valley. The sort of place where you got a gray shape vaulted over the parapet and landed splay-footed in front of the horse. It waved a club. All right, it growled. Oh, the horse began. The troll blinked. Even the cold and cloudy winter skies seriously reduced the conductivity of a troll's silicon brain, and it had taken it this long to realize that the saddle was unoccupied. It blinked again because it could suddenly feel a knife point resting on the back of its neck. Hello, said a voice by its ear. The troll swallowed, but very carefully. Look, it said desperately. It's tradition, okay? A bridge like this, people ought to expect a troll. Ear, it added as another thought crawled past. 
How come I never heard you creeping up on me? Because I'm good at it, said the old man. That's right, said the horse. He's crept up on more people than you've had frightened dinners. The troll risked a sideways glance. Bloody hell, it whispered. You think you're Cohen the Barbarian, do you? What do you think, said Cohen the Barbarian. Listen, said the horse. If we hadn't wrapped sacks around his knees, you could have told by the clicking. It took the troll some time to work this out. <gasps> wow! It breathed. On my bridge? Wow! What? said Cohen. The troll ducked out of his grip and waved its hands frantically. It's all right! It's all right! It shouted as Cohen advanced. <laughs> You've got me! <laughs> I'm not arguing! I just want to call the family up, all right? Otherwise, no one will ever believe me. Cohen the Barbarian! On my bridge! Its huge stony chest swelled further. My bloody brother-in-law's always swanking about his huge bloody wooden bridge. It's all my wife ever talks about. Ha! <laughs> I'd like to see the look on his face. Oh, no! What can you think of me? Good question, said Cohen. The troll dropped its club and seized one of Cohen's hands. Micah's the name, it said. You don't know what an honor this is. He leaned over the parapet. Barrel, get up here. Bring the kids. He turned back to Cohen, his face glowing with happiness and pride. Beryl's always saying we ought to move out, get something better. But I tell her this bridge has been in our family for generations. There's always been a troll under Death Bridge. It's tradition. A huge female troll carrying two babies shuffled up the bank, followed by a tail of smaller trolls. They lined up behind their father, watching Cohen owlishly. This is Beryl, said the troll. His wife glowered at Cohen. And this? He propelled forward a scowling smaller edition of himself, clutching a junior version of his club. Is my lad scream. The real chip off the old block. Going to take on the bridge when I'm gone, ain't you scree? Look, lad, this is Cohen the Barbarian. What do you think of that, eh? On our bridge. We don't just have rich, fat, soft old merchants like your Uncle Pyrites gets, said the troll, still talking to his son, but smirking past him to his wife. We have proper heroes, like they used to in the old days. The troll's wife looked Cohen up and down. Rich, is he? She said. Rich has got nothing to do with it, said the troll. Are you going to kill our dad? Said Scree, suspiciously. Course he is, said Micah, severely. It's his job. And then I'll get famed in song and story. This is Cohen the Barbarian, right? Not some bugger from the village with a pitchfork. He's a famous hero, come all the way to see us. So just you show him some respect. 
Sorry about that, sir, he said to Cohen. Kids today, you know how it is. The horse started to snigger. Now look, Cohen began. I remember my dad telling me about you when I was a pebble, said Micah. He bestrides the world like a colossus, he said. There was silence. Cohen wondered what a colossus was and felt Beryl's stony gaze fixed upon him. He's just a little old man, she said. He don't look very heroic to me. If he's so good, why ain't he rich? Now you listen to me, Micah began. This is what we've been waiting for, is it? Said his wife. Sitting under a leaky bridge the whole time, waiting for people that never come. Waiting for little old bandy-legged old men. I should have listened to my mother. You want me to let our son sit under a bridge waiting for some little old man to kill him? That's what being a troll is all about? Well, it ain't happening. Now, you just... Ha! Pyrites doesn't get little old men. He gets big, fat merchants. He's someone. You should have gone in with him when you had the chance. I'd rather eat worms. Ha! Since when could we afford to eat worms? Can we have a word? said Cohen. He strolled towards the far end of the bridge, swinging his sword from one hand. The troll padded after him. Cohen fumbled for his tobacco pouch. He looked up at the troll and held out the bag. Smoke, he said. That stuff can kill you, said the troll. Yes, but not today. Don't you hang about talking to your no-good friends, bellowed Beryl from her end of the bridge. Today's your day for going down to the sawmill. You know Church said he couldn't go on holding the job open if you weren't taking it seriously. Micah gave Cohen a sorrowful little smirk. She's very supportive, he said. I'm not climbing all the way down to the river to pull you out again, Beryl roared. You tell him about the billy goats, Mr. Big Troll. Billy goats, said Cohen. I don't know anything about billy goats, said Micah. She's always going on about billy goats. I have no knowledge whatsoever about billy goats, he winced. They watched Beryl usher the young trolls down the bank and into the darkness under the bridge. The thing is, said Cohen when they were alone, I wasn't intending to kill you. The troll's face fell. You were? Just throw you over the bridge and steal what treasure you've got. You were? Cohen patted him on the back. Besides, I like to see people with good memories. That's what the land needs. Good memories. The troll stood to attention. I tried to do my best, sir, it said. My lad wants to go off to work in the sea. I've told him there's been a troll under this bridge for nigh on 500 years. And so, if you just hand over the treasure, said Cohen, I'll be getting along. The troll's face creased in sudden panic. Treasure? I haven't got any, it said. 
Oh, come on, said Cohen. Well set up bridge like this. Yeah, but no one uses this road anymore, said Micah. You're the first one along in months, and that's a fact. Beryl says I ought to have gone in with her brother when they built that new road over his bridge, but... He raised his voice. I said, there's been trolls under this bridge. Yeah, said Cohen. Trouble is, the stones keep on falling out, said the troll. And you'd never believe what those masons charge. The bloody dwarves. You can't trust them. He leaned towards Cohen. To tell you the truth, I'm having to work three days a week down at my brother-in-law's lumber mill just to make ends meet. I thought your brother-in-law had a bridge, said Cohen. One of them has, but my wife's got brothers like dogs have fleas, said the troll. He looked gloomily into the torrent. One of them's a lumber merchant down in Sourwater. One of them runs the bridge, and the big fat one is a merchant over on Bitter Pike. Call that a proper job for a troll. One of them's in the bridge business, though, said Cohen. Bridge business? Sitting in a box all day, charging people a silver piece to walk across? Half the time he ain't even there. He just pays some dwarf to take the money, and he calls himself a troll. You can't tell him from a human till you're right up close. Cohen nodded understandingly. Do you know, said the troll, I have to go over and have dinner with them every week. All three of them. And listen to them going on about moving with the times. He turned a big sad face to Cohen. What's wrong with being a troll under a bridge, he said. I was brought up to be a troll under a bridge. I want young Scree to be a troll under a bridge after I'm gone. What's wrong with that? You've got to have trolls under bridges. Otherwise, what's it all about? What's it all for? They leaned morosely on the parapet, looking down into the white water. You know, said Cohen slowly, I remember when a man could ride all the way from here to the Blade Mountains and never see another living thing. He fingered his sword. At least, not for very long. He threw the butt of his cigarette into the water. It's all farms now. All little farms run by little people. And fences everywhere. Everywhere you look, farms and fences and little people. She's right, of course, said the troll, continuing some interior conversation. There's no future in just jumping out from under a bridge. I mean, said Cohen, I've got nothing against farms or farmers. You've got to have them. It's just that they used to be a long way off around the edges. Now, this is the edge. Pushed back all the time, said the troll. Changing all the time. Like my brother-in-law. 
chair. A lumber mill. A troll running a lumber mill. And you should see the mess he's making of cut shade forest. Cohen looked up, surprised. What? The one with the giant spiders in it? Spiders? There ain't no spiders now. Just stumps? 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 I used to like that forest. It was, well, it was darksome. You don't get proper darksome anymore. You really knew what terror was in a forest like that. You want darksome? He's replanting with spruce, said Micah. Spruce. It's not his idea. He wouldn't know one tree from another. That's all down to Clay. He put him up to it. Cohen felt dizzy. Who's Clay? Said I got three brothers-in-law, right? He's the merchant. So he said replanting would make the land easier to sell. There was a long pause while Cohen digested this. Then he said, You can't sell Cutshade Forest. It doesn't belong to anyone. Yeah, he says that's why you can sell it. Cohen brought his fist down on the parapet. A piece of stone detached itself and tumbled down into the gorge. Sorry, he said. It's all right. Bits fall off all the time. Like I said. Cohen turned. What's happening? I remember all the big old wars. Don't you? You must have fought. I carried a club, yeah. Supposed to be for a bright new future and law and stuff. That's what people said. Well, I fought because a big troll with a whip told me to, said Micah cautiously. But I know what you mean. I mean, it wasn't for farms and spruce trees, was it? Micah hung his head. And here's me with this apology for a bridge. I feel really bad about it, he said. You coming all this way and everything. And there was some king or other, said Cohen, vaguely looking at the water. And I think there were some wizards. But there was a king. I'm pretty certain there was a king. Never met him. You know, he grinned at the troll. I can't remember his name. Don't think they ever told me his name. About half an hour later, Cohen's horse emerged from the gloomy woods onto a bleak, windswept moorland. It plodded on for a while before saying, All right, how much did you give him? Twelve gold pieces, said Cohen. Why'd you give him twelve gold pieces? I didn't have more than twelve. You must be mad. 
When I was just starting out in the barbarian hero business, said Cohen, every bridge had a troll under it. And you couldn't go through a forest like we've just gone through without a dozen goblins trying to chop your head off. He sighed. <sighs> I wonder what happened to them all. You, said the horse. Well, yes, but I always thought there'd be some more. I always thought there'd be some more edges. How old are you? said the horse. Dunno. Old enough to know better, then. Yeah. Right. Cohen lit another cigarette and coughed until his eyes watered. Going soft in the head. Yeah. Giving your last dollar to a troll. <sighs> yeah. Cohen wheezed a stream of smoke at the sunset. Why? Cohen stared at the sky. The red glow was as cold as the slopes of hell. An icy wind blew across the steps, whipping at what remained of his hair. For the sake of the way things should be, he said. For the sake of things that were. Ha! Cohen looked down. He grinned. And for three addresses. One day, I'm going to die, he said. But not, I think, today. The air blew off the mountain filling the air with fine ice crystals. It was too cold to snow. In weather like this, wolves came down into villages. Trees in the heart of the forest exploded when they froze. Except there were fewer and fewer wolves these days. And less and less forest. In weather like this, right-thinking people were indoors, in front of the fire, telling stories about heroes. Deceptively simple, this story. Or, more to the point, a lot more complex than it seems on the surface, right? Because we actually took a moment to contemplate what happens after the normal fairy tale ends, right? In, in, in a normal fairy tale, uh, the, the, you know, the, the guy, would, he would slay the troll and live happily ever after. Except in this case, happily ever after isn't such a happy scenario because he's killed all the trolls. They're gone. There's a, a Joni Mitchell 
song, um, paving paradise and putting up a parking lot. And she says, don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Well, that's, that's Cohen. He looked up and the world had changed. And I think about, you know, my grandparents and my parents' generation, and they saw so much change in their lifetimes. I mean, we have too, but that's just the nature of the world that we're living in. Change is the most reliable force in our lives. And we're always and continually surprised. Cohen is us, I think. Out there in the world, busy slaying dragons or trolls or whatever. And meanwhile, at some point, we look up and notice just how much different the world is than the last time we poked our head above the sand and looked. The most constant thing in the universe, y'all, is change. I think if we can get used to that, we can probably get used to just about anything. The way I see it, there's real wisdom in the character of Cohen because the previous generation, his dad's generation, it was a certain way for them. This is what you did, son. You go out, you, you, know, you, you, you find a troll, you, you, you kill it. But Cohen comes along and, and he changes that. He plots his own course. He finds his own way. And, you know, he finally decides, well, I, I don't need to kill the troll. I, it's just his treasure that I want. And that's kind of our journey, too. I mean, I, I, I know it's the journey of every succeeding generation. We always figure out how to do it slightly differently than the generation ahead. That is the nature of evolution. So in that respect, as well, we are Cohen. We do grow and evolve. We evolve the system. We evolve the processes that make this world go. This, y'all, is how the world changes. One generation at a time. Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is Julia Marie Smith. She's the best in the business, y'all. Our researcher, Lakeisha Lewis. So glad you are aboard, my sister. Editing and sound design by Justin Asher, journeyman on the moon. And we have editing support from Tamika Weatherspoon and Harry Huggins, the new, new kids on the block. My great thanks today to the estate of Sir Terry Pratchett for allowing me to read his work if you liked this, wow, well, there is a lot of great fiction of his to check out. Go to terrypratchettbooks.com to get yourself started. 
If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend, why don't you? Pick your favorite story and send it to them. And hey, you can hear episodes ad-free if you like and also listen to exclusive bonus author interviews on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash LeVar to start your free trial. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher and LeVar Burton Entertainment. Our executive producers are Josephine Martirana and yours truly, LeVar Burton. And I am LeVar Burton. You can find me on Twitter at LeVar Burton and LeVar.Burton on Instagram. LeVarBurton.com is my corner of the interwebs. I'll see you next time, but you don't have to take my word for it. Stitcher. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.